Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Laura Marquez, Assistant Vice President of IT Applications at UConn Health. In part two, Marquez talks about the key to creating a culture where team members are empowered to contribute, why it's so important to acknowledge the accomplishments of the workforce, and what it was that drew her to UConn Health. You really touched on something when you said that sometimes when a request is put in, they aren't really aware of the, of the downstream effect. I mean, that's a challenge that so many, if not all organizations deal with. And I guess it's something that really has to be handled pretty uh, carefully, I would guess. Yeah, especially before IT resources are dedicated to trying to build out a solution. So at one of my prior organizations, Tickets could only be submitted by managers and above for enhancement type requests. Optimization or enhancement really had to be vetted at the departmental level because we want to make sure that there was a little bit more oversight and it couldn't just be anyone to submit a requested change. And then in terms of governance too, having a a body, whether it be a physician advisory council or nursing advisory council, that's kind of our next step in our growth for our PMO is to establish these smaller advisory councils where we can have that continued input and have physician builders or other informaticists or SMEs at those tables to say, hmm, this really doesn't make too much sense. That's not a workflow that we would want to support and be okay to deny those requests. You know, I think saying no is hard, but it's so important because the more that you deviate away from the foundation systems and, you know, deviate away from what an EMR has set up, the more maintenance you have long-term and the harder it is to continue to support and maintain. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kind of along those lines, looking at making sure that you have the right culture in place seems like it's hugely important. And you want to create a culture where people are empowered to do their best, that they enjoy what they're doing, and no easy task. So can you talk a bit about how you approach that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think first and foremost, you have to create that culture of safety where people are welcome to have the voice. And you do so by seeking feedback and making sure that you're inviting others to contribute and not just the extroverts, giving the introverts an opportunity to participate as a leader, rather than sharing your idea first, saying something to the effect of, well, I have an idea, but I'd like to hear from you guys first and opening that platform up. And I think the other thing is too, is welcoming debate, you know, and and saying, I want to hear an opposing view. What do you guys think? Why should we not do this? And having that dialogue and making sure that there's not a fear behind it, really squashing that People should be able to stop the line. They should be able to raise the white flag. They should be able to, anyone at any point could say, I I have a concern or I think that there's something here that we need to discuss further before we continue to move forward and promoting that and, and saying thank you for those suggestions and rewarding that behavior creates that positive loop of being able to, you know, hear everyone at the table. Yeah, that's really interesting, Um, especially what you said about why should we not do this? I would think that it's a great opportunity to get those concerns out right at the beginning and kind of work through that, which could really help with buy-in. In every project, every body of work, whatever it is, I encourage my teams to ask two questions. What are we missing? 
what did we not consider? And even taking a step further, what downstream impacts could this have? Because when we have a questioning mindset, I think that's what to promote that culture of safety. And, you know, everyone thinks a little bit differently, especially if they have different strengths. You know, someone who has that strategic foresight that can look at a 30,000 foot view and maybe be able to predict something in the future, you definitely want to tap into them because they might be thinking about the downstream impacts differently than someone who might have a strength as an achiever who just maybe wants to move a little bit more quickly and get things done. So I think it's culture change is hard, but we all play a part in it. And I think it's also keeping people accountable that if we do see those bad behaviors, you know, where people then are starting to feel uneasy or not wanting to speak up, that we address them head on because no one wants to work in a place that, you know, they, they don't feel like they have a valued contribution. Every single person should feel valued to contribute. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great to hear. I, I can remember earlier in my career, eons ago, I remember being called a negative Nelly. That's the exact term because I would say, well, what if this happens? And so, you know, you start to close up when that happens. Right, right. And that right there, you know, you're, you're being probably a realist right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, what if this happens? Do we right. have a contingency plan? Is our, how are we going to mitigate this risk? And every organization should be able to speak openly about those, those things. And that's why I think that question of like, what are we missing? What, what else? Uh, yeah. You know, those are things that really help open up that dialogue where we can uh, ensure that we have thought about more things and, you know, that we are going down the right path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another area I really wanted to get into, which we've kind of alluded to, but it is connecting to the purpose. And I think that's something that has been a challenge in IT. And so, yeah, wanted to, to get your thoughts on how that's done or how that could be done. Yeah. I think as we continue to use technology to meet the business needs, right, and solve business problems, we want to enable the business strategy by offering different solutions. And I really think that most organizations have a great opportunity to break down that wall of us versus them. Mm -hmm. This is a partnership. I mean, this is a, a collaboration. In order to move forward and get onto that like bleeding edge of pioneering and, and trying new things and really digitizing healthcare, I think we have to remember that every single person, what they do matters. And we have to reconnect it back to our mission, vision, and values. I think that it's so important, you know, when we have successes that we celebrate those small wins, big, small, everything should be celebrated. We need to take time to acknowledge our workforce um, and whether that be a help desk teammate to someone who's working on the server team or network segmentation, security, app developer, an analyst, a trainer, we all come together to play such an important role for the bigger picture. And at UConn Health, it's really to meet our own values and our pillars, to be innovative, to showcase leadership, to really be thoughtful about, you know, how can we integrate research and use different technologies or ways of thinking to, to improve outcomes. So I think it's really connecting back to purpose helps remind people why they are there. We all have a calling to healthcare. And I think that by acknowledging and showing appreciation for what people do 
really helps keep people showing up as their best every day. And the best way to do that, or one of the best ways to do that through things like rounding or just different committees, like how, how do you approach that? Yeah, so I think Quint Studer, you know, his rounding ideas are amazing. Meeting with your employees one-on-one, what's working well? What's not working well? What should we keep doing? What should we change? What ideas do you have? And just that open dialogue, if you have everything you need to do your job, uh, I think it's very powerful and it, and it should be not an exercise to check a box, but it should really be on that personal level. I also think that creating an environment, you know, one of the things I took my team through is talking about the unspoken rules. So I had three slides and they were all, it's okay statements. So for example, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to block out your calendar. It's okay to turn your camera off, whatever it might have been. And just voicing those, I think that really helps set those clear expectations and helps remove anxiety especially in this virtual world. So I think rounding with staff, clear expectations, and then, you know, I alluded to it before, but the acknowledgement. So we have these like wow cards that are a a little electronic e-card that can be sent to someone, Um, but also taking the time for handwritten notes, you know, some snail mail. I mean, we all love getting a piece of mail in our mailbox. And so you know, taking the time to just say, really great job uh, working on that project. I appreciate your dedication and hard work. Something as simple as that can go a very long way. Yeah, agreed. Okay. And um, getting into that a little bit as far as leading teams virtually, it's been an adjustment for everyone. And I, I know that some people still struggle a bit with it because it is so out of the realm of what we were used to. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think we can't forget to pick up the phone. You know, we depend so much on email communication or an instant messenger communication. And it really goes a long way to hear someone's voice on the other end. And you are able then to pick up on tone and mood. And even if you can't see their face, you know, I think that it still is more meaningful than an email that could be easily interpreted the wrong way. I I think that I never thought in a million years that I would be leading virtual teams. I'm an extrovert, so I thrive off of the energy of others and loved being in the office. But I've come to learn an appreciation, you know, not having a commute is excellent. It's been great to my own work-life balance and, you know, being able to exercise in the mornings before I start work and and getting that out of the way for the day has just been a a great way to clear my head and listen to podcasts. And and I think that has made me a better leader. And I say all of that because I think we have to model the behavior in which we want our staff to follow. So, you know, I have lunch blocked out every single day. I encourage everyone to do the same. We also just implemented a no meeting Friday. We heard a lot of feedback from our teammates that, you know, they were really struggling to have head down working time to get stuff done. So we're instituting no meeting Fridays. And that also allows someone to take a three-day weekend and not be missing out on crucial meetings or project meetings And, you know, I think we're just in the infancy for adopting that, but so far we've heard good feedback and I've encouraged my directors to hold the line, you know, I'll take the heat because we have to do what's right, especially in this world of the great resignation. We have to really take time to hear our teammates, you know, needs and wants and really try to think differently about how we do business 
because otherwise we will lose them. We'll lose them to a consulting gig that can pay them much more money and they might have more flexibility. So are there things, small, quick wins that we could do to help make those improvements? Yeah, and I think it's also being aware that people's lives have changed and (laughs) the way that they approach work is going to change too. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, some daycares and children's facilities are still closed. I think we're just now seeing things open back up, but maybe parents hesitate to, to, you know, re-enroll their kids. So they're still trying to manage that, or, you know, maybe they've had to hire extra help or ask family for help. So you know, I think it's also being very mindful of you never know what is going on in someone else's life. They might be caring for an elderly, you know, parent or family member or, you know, their own spouse might be having um, medical issues or maybe they have a financial burden. So I think the pandemic has shown that we can work remotely and still be productive, if not more productive. And it's been a wonderful opportunity to really thank them for their work and be flexible. You know, if you want to start later because you're getting your kids on the bus, that's fine. Block out your calendar. We will accommodate that. Yeah, it's so true. And that's so applicable to every area of life that you just you don't know what someone else is going through. And to be mindful of that, that's so important. And I think there's more awareness than before of that, which is great. Yes. And then a little bit about your, your own career path. So you've been at UConn since 2019? Correct. Okay. So I know that, that you've you know, had some other experience, mostly on the West Coast, it seems like. So what, what drew yes. you to this organization? <laughs> yeah. So um, I kind of have an eclectic background where I started at the bedside and I was pre-med bound. I really was destined to go to medical school and never got in. So I had to pivot and ended up getting a master's in healthcare administration. And it was during that time that I learned about clinical informatics and the EMR. And I was like, oh, wow, well, I could really couple my analytical and and troubleshooting side with my workflow knowledge. And I kind of fell into IT that way. So for most of my career, I spent it on the West Coast. And I knew that I wanted to continue to grow into further leadership positions. And so I had opened up a a nationwide search back in 2019, and UConn was definitely attractive because it was a newer EPIC organization. So I knew I could bring my, you know, decade of EPIC experience and just seeing how different ways of doing things to an, an organization that would be a little bit more nimble and willing to try new things. So um, it's been very fun and exciting. And I originally came to UConn Health as a IT director. And unbeknownst to me, my boss had submitted her retirement. So I was awarded a promotion to become overall applications. So it's been a great learning journey, getting to learn about ERP systems and the dental school and all business. We have a lot of homegrown applications at UConn Health, which is really exciting. And those app developers have done a tremendous job coming up with more creative solutions when it comes to like COVID vaccinations and our registry that we've built and N95 fit mass testing, you know, just using technology in a way that helps drive those, those business outcomes. So it's been very exciting. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And and it's it's always uh, amazes me that sometimes you just don't know where your career path is going to take you, but when it takes you to the right spot, you know it. That's right. Okay. Definitely got to talk about 
a lot. I know there's always more, but really appreciate your time. It's It's been really great to hear about what you guys are doing, but also your own journey. So thank you so much yes. for giving us your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.